0: All right. Fantastic. This is a great-looking group. We haven't had a group this large on a Wednesday night in a while. I mean, it's, I know it's all because Jordan's speaking tonight. And, you know, that's okay. You know, hey, when you're hip, young, and everything that Jordan is, as Rebecca would say. <laughs> all right. Well, Jordan, come on up, man, and you uh, you do your thing. Thank you, sir. All right. So before I get too started in this, y'all going to just have to bear with me. I'm going to have, there's three things about me. First, I'm going to go on some stories and some rants. So like our group is kind of known as Rabbit Trails a little bit. So if, you, if I go on one of those, just bear with me. I'm going to have a lot of stories. So I feel like you learn a lot from stories and things that happen in your life. So just know that's coming. And then lastly, if I say anything that just hits you wrong in the spirit and you feel like that may not be quite right, please do not hesitate to come to me and let me know, hey, maybe you meant this or that may have not sounded right. Keep me in line because I don't want to lead y'all anywhere the wrong way. So that being said, if y'all have got your Bibles, Keith, to Matthew five forty-three through 48. So, And it says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward do you get? Not even the tax collectors are doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So if, once y'all get to kind of know me a little more, some of y'all know me more than others, but I have a, I've learned throughout the years I have a huge passion for people. Like I'll go into, a, you know, if y'all don't know, I'm a nurse, I'll go into a patient's room, and it'll be some old guy, like 90-year-old fart, and he'll be ranting to me on how, oh, I remember during the war, and tell me about these stories here. And then he tells me about how his bowels are irregular, and he tells me all sorts of crazy stuff. And then he goes, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hold you up. And I'm literally, every time, I'm like, look, no, that is totally fine because I feel like those stories, those things and, that you're just passionate about, awesome. I love it. And people who are passionate about stuff, it inspires me to be like that. So, like, you know, you see those uh, puppy videos, slow motion, Sarah McLaughlin's playing in the background. I'm one of those people that I'll watch that and I'll be like, okay, I love puppies. If y'all know me, I've got a dog, Annie. She's sweet as pie. But I think to myself, I'm like, why don't they have this more for, like, people instead of animals? Animals are important. I love animals. But can't we have this also about people too? And if I saw that, I'd be like grabbing my wallet, thrown at the TV, like take my money. I don't care how much you take. So that being said, it's so easy. It was reading in Matthew that it's easy to love someone who loves you, that even the tax collectors did that. So like the people, think of like the worst person you can imagine. Because I mean tax collectors, I know they stink, but I mean everyone's a tax collector now. Walmart, Target. So Think about, like, the worst person, like, it could be a politician, it could be, it doesn't matter. God loves them just as equally, and we should love them just as equally as he loves us. So, like, it's easy to love someone. Like, I'll come home from work, Becca's sitting on the couch, I give her a hug, and I say, hey, honey, I love you. Reciprocated love, right? My dog comes running up to me, big old fluffy sock or a slipper or a snake, And she'll come up to me and be like, oh, hi, dad. And she's so happy to see me. And it's so easy to love things and people and animals like that that love you back because it's just a give and take relationship. But think about someone who it's hard to love them. Say you're going to that wonderful buffet over at the mall and you're about to pull into this spot and you're like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm about to go munch down. And grandma pulls right in front of you and you're like, what the heck, grandma? Where'd that come from? So you kind of Irked at grandma, you're like, okay, no, it's okay, it's fine. You go in there, you see that bread pudding in the corner, you're like, Ooh, that bread pudding looked good though. And so you get up to the bread pudding, nah, grandma on her walker bumps you out of the way and gets the last scoop, and you're really ticked at grandma right now. You're like, Grandma. So it's it, that's just a very basic example and of someone that's not easy to love, but I've kind of got a personal story and this is where the stories come in about Someone that was really, really difficult for me to love. So, before two houses before the place I'm currently living at now, it was kind of not in the best neighborhood. It was a little sketchy, but I was like, "It's okay. We're going to move out of this place. It's going to be fine. We're going on Christmas vacation. I get to see my family. It's going to be great." So we go on vacation. I have a blast seeing my parents. I come back. I open up the door, and I'm like, "Why is it so cool in here?" I'm like leave the heat on to some extent, whatever. So come up, come around the corner, and then it hit me. I was like, what's going, it didn't even register. The TV was gone, the Xbox was gone, I went upstairs, my guns were gone. I mean, there were, our house got broken into. We go into the kitchen, the window was shattered, and I'm like, what in the world? At that point in time, I said a lot of things that honestly, I regret and I've repented for because I was angry. I was furious. And it wasn't just the, the stuff got stolen. It's stuff I don't, I don't care. I'm like, I, I can get new things. That's fine. But the fact that it just took away every bit of security that you would have in a house, that you feel safe, and it hurt my wife even the worst. And I was like, oh my goodness, you can hurt me. But I swear, you hurt my friends, you hurt my family. Ooh. It's not good. It is not good. I, there's a side of me that I have to, I, I would chew somebody out. I was literally thinking I'm going to go crush this guy's skull or something, like break ankles or something. I was that furious. But at the same time, I had to learn, how am I going to love this guy who took everything from me, not just stuff, but security, and I didn't stay at that house. That, how bad it felt, I stayed with my friend Carlos, for a solid month or so until we got a new place because we didn't feel safe there. The longest I stayed at that place after that was maybe an hour to move more things out. So it's hard to love somebody who's hurt you. But first what you need to realize is you need to realize we are all human. We all make mistakes. And no matter what that person did to you, Jesus loves them the same as much as he loves you. And in Romans 3.22-24, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ. So no ma- it doesn't matter where you came from. God doesn't care where you came from. You could have came from a different country, came here, no money in your pocket. Or you could be Donald Trump Jr. for all we care. It doesn't matter who you are. God loves you the same. And if we are to be Christians and follow in the steps that God has, we need to be like that. Regardless of what they've done to us, we need to love these people the way that God loves us. So what's getting in our way of loving these people that hurt us? Well, our sinful nature. We are naturally sinful. We are, ever since the Garden of Eden, when they ate that fruit, which here comes that tangent, by the way, they had one rule. I'm like, come on, you have one rule? I have so many rules at work, and you had one rule. It kills me. But it's our, sin, it's our sinful nature. And, I mean, when someone cuts us off in traffic, we get mad shoot, I got in a car accident today, my first instinct would have been to get upset because I'm like, man, you got me late for work. Now I've got to call my boss. What happened to my car? Now I've got to call my wife, and she's going to be freaking out. (laughs) And then I find out that it's the person that got in the wreck with me was one of my friends that I hang out with on the weekends at my friend's gaming cafe. And I'm like, my goodness, they're people too. These are people too. And I realize... We all mess up. He said he was blowing his nose and he ran a red light. And I'm like, okay, I can kind of get that, but watch the road. But at the same time, you've got to love them through that because I'm just thankful my truck is still okay. It's just got a little scratch on the bumper. Nothing for me to worry about, but his is totaled. And the first thing I thought was, man, what's Joe going to do? Because he doesn't have a car now. It's totaled. He had to get a tow truck to, uh, Take it out of there. So when we get mad, we want to get even. When someone hurts us, uh, say they take that one girl we like, and we're like, hey, what the heck? I liked her, and you want to go slash their tires and stomp and break ankles. No, no, that's our natural instinct to do that. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and not just be instinctual, go do this, and then realize that's going to be making things worse. So Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what do we do? Okay, we know we need to get this stuff out of the way. So we need to get this sin, this sinful nature, out of the way. So how do we, how do, we do that? Well, first we need to realize God says justice is mine, says the Lord. Romans 13 one says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So, you know, when the guy broke into my house and I wanted to go hunt him down and go dog bounty hunter on him and take him out, that's not what God wanted us to do. Because if, we, if I were to go do that, and I have this wonderful band you all need to check out. It's a Christian band. It's Flatfoot 56, Irish Christian punk rock. And one of the songs says, an eye for an eye will pay the price, an eye for an eye will all be blind. So when you go do that one little thing back at someone, Say you're in kindergarten, they flick your ear. And you're like, "Ah, wait, you flick back. Well, they're going to get annoyed, so they'll flick, flick. And you'll be like, what? Slap, they'll slap, and then you start fist fighting. It builds up on each other. Well, that's what would happen if I went to go find this guy, which I may or may not have Facebook stalked him and found out who he is beforehand when they told me his name. But if I were to have gone and done that and found this guy and did that, who would have I have been better than what he did to me? Why, why would I be any different than anyone else? If I'm going to go hurt this guy, wouldn't someone lo- that's his family, friend, wouldn't they be upset and want to <laughs> come back at me? So in order to, we don't fight fire with fire. And people say, you hear that all the time, but if you fight fire with fire, the house burns down. If you fight fire with love, it's like shooting water at it, it simmers it down, and they don't, they don't know how to react to that. They're like, wait, I broke into your house. I hurt you. I took every bit of trust you have in this house. It's gone, and you're loving me? Why? So we need to realize we need to go love them, but how? how? You might still be thinking, how do you love somebody That hurts you that bad. And it doesn't have to be getting your house broken into. It could be a relationship. It could be something as simple as just someone said one thing to you, and you've held that bitterness in your heart. And you're like, "I, I can't love them. How do I love them? Luke 6, 29 through 31. If someone slaps you on one cheek, you turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you and if anyone takes, back, takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do not do to others as you would have them do to you. So, this took me a while to kind of regurgitate and think about. But, like, if someone, if this guy, and I know his name, I know his face. It is imprinted into my mind because, again, Facebook's talking. But if, if this guy were to come to my house and I know him and he's, he said, hey, I'd I've been living on the street for weeks and I just need something to eat. Well, what are you going to say to them? This guy just hurt you. This guy just took every bit of trust, emotionally hurt your family and made you have to replace all this stuff, thousands of dollars worth of stuff, which by the way, I didn't have renters insurance. So that was all out of pocket too. I had to cover all this. How, and you want me to give you something. You already took from me. Why should I give you something? Well, they asked. Jesus commanded, if they ask, we give. If they take, and I love this, he says, if they take your, ja- your coat, do not withhold your shirt. Literally, if they take it. So if this guy came to me and asked for something, I'm commanded to give. And it's not because of our selfishness. Because if we were to try to do this on our own strength, our own terms, there's no way. There's no way I could love that guy on my own strength, at all. I have to go to God and say, God, you are the giver of this kind of strength, this life-changing love. You loved me that much. Can I have this for this person? And if you ask, he will give this to you because you are following in his will. So if we're being lied to, for example, we have a friend that comes to us, we think is a friend. They say, oh, no, I didn't do that. And then you find out they did do that. You give them forgiveness because it's not what they deserve. It's what Christ gave to us. He forgave us. He came on this earth, little baby, grow up, got just yelled at, scorned at, beaten, killed, and then just stabbed and killed over and over for us. And we we still hurt him to this day. So how much more are we to forgive someone who hurts us once? So... If they come to us asking for something, you give. But you must do so in discernment. If, and I, Keith knows. I love John Piper, by the way. He's fantastic. And he had an example here where there was this family, had a little girl, had a babysitter. They found out the babysitter was abusing this child. And they said, no, you are fired and we're going to, you go- went to court. So in court, this girl, this babysitter, said, no job, nothing. Came up to this family and said, I'm so sorry. I've been praying about it. I've changed. Will you forgive me? Well, what do you do? You, you forgive them. Of course. That's what Christ asked us to do. But then she asks, can I have my job back? Well, no, forgiveness is different than trust. You don't give them their job back because you love your family and They are already under judgment. You let God and the judicial system take care of it. Trust is earned, but faith is what we need to freely give. So, being said, you give to them what they don't deserve like Christ did for us. So, look at David and Bathsheba. There's just examples in the Bible. David saw Bathsheba bathing on a rooftop, said, Oh, that looks good. Found out she was married. Said, hmm, he's in the way. I need him out of the way. Puts him on the front line of battle, essentially death sentence. He dies, and then he takes her as his wife. That's messed up, isn't it? I'm, God says this is a man after my own heart? I'm like, how? Well, David realized what he did, and he took that turn and he couldn't, you know, have apologized to the guy, but at the same time, he turned from that and he went towards God because he knew he messed up, but God, in his abundance of grace, forgave him and he moved forward and then led this fant- this huge nation to where it is today. Look at Paul. Paul was a Pharisee, so this dude was like top of the food chain, big wig in the, t- in the Jewish church. And he was like, "Mm, I don't like these Christian folks. They need to be gone. So he starts going off and killing folks, just killing Christians left and right. And you think, okay, this guy, there's no way he's going to be a Christian. Ain't no way he's going to turn around and write most of the books in the New Testament. Well, God has a funny sense of humor. He scales on his eyes, makes him realize who he is and what Christ has done. And He turns around, it's amazing what just a little bit of love can do in someone's life to make them turn around and then be a force for Christ. So we as Christians are to be Christ-like, to be transformed in his likeness, to be not even like him, to do our best to follow in his steps every single step of the way and to love others unconditionally. We are to look at people, what they've done to us, and say, hmm, you've done this, this, and this to me, so I can only love you this much. No. Christ, if, if God did that, well, we would, we would be all in trouble then, wouldn't we? If everything we did that broke every single law, I mean, think about what Jesus said. He said, if you think, if you're just thinking about being angry at somebody, you've committed murder in your heart. It's not that you go and you stab them. I mean, yeah, that's, don't do that either, but at the same time, it's the heart of the matter. I'm a. And I will say this over and over again. Jesus was all about the heart of the matter. It's not so much the little actions you did like the, and here comes my rant. It's not so much the little actions you did like the little old lady that put the little coin, the copper coin, the penny into the offering where the um, Pharisee came by and dumped all this money. in. she gave out of just the little she had. And it was the meaning behind that over the big boisterous amount of money that the Pharisee gave. So it's the heart of the matter is what Christ is looking for. And these people that, are ap- that don't like us. I had another example again from John Piper. Bear with me. He, he had an example where a man was called his friend. And he said that, hey, look, I need you. I'm severely depressed. I'm thinking about I might hurt myself. friend's like, absolutely. No, let me come here and go. And so he goes there and his friend has already got a pill bottle in his hand. He said, no, give me that bottle. We take it from, He took it from him. Well, if we are supposed to give unconditionally, then what if that friend said, well, give me my bottle back and I want you to leave now. You don't give it back. That is not love. You take it, and these people may hurt beat you, they may slander you, and they may put you to death, but you love them anyways. Their actions should not affect how much we love them. And through that love, that action of love towards them is the fruit we have from the overflow of Christ in us. And with that love, we go and we do. Faith without action is dead. And if you don't, if you say you love somebody, like, I could go every day and say, I love Becca, but if I don't show that to her, that means absolutely nothing. She's like, well, you say it every single day, but you don't spend time with me. You don't take me on these dates anymore. You don't do any of this. It's the actions that are the fruit of the love that we have inside. So you can say that you love someone, and it's useless if you don't go and do it. Christ did the same thing. He loved us so much, and he knew from the start he had to come down and die for us. And he even talked to God. He said, God, if, there, if there's any other way out, let's do that. But your will be done, not mine. So we must not take ourselves into consideration, but the love towards others must be always, always unconditional. So that, many times, that being said, that person hurts us. What if hurt hurts again and again and again, over and over and over? I'm supposed to forgive them? Well, Jesus said, yes, seven times, 70 times. AKA, don't stop. Jesus loves us every single day, over and over and over again. He is, a, he is slow to anger and abounding in love, so should we be slow to anger to people and abounding in love. We shouldn't be pushovers, and we need to guide these people in the right direction. If they keep hurting us, obviously we need to help them go to where they're ne- needing to go, but we still love them anyways. So, we always fall down. We as people, you, me, everybody, including the, from the guy that broke into our house to, gosh, Billy Graham and everyone in between. We, always mess, we all mess up. We all fall down. And Christ continues to love us and pick us back up. So how do we have the strength to do that? Because like I said earlier, there's no way on this good earth that I could love someone who hurt me as bad as that guy did. And really, to be honest, that was probably the most upset when I got broken into. That is the most upset I have been easily off the top of my mind and at least, like, top three I've ever been that mad. I was so furious. The words and the things I thought and what was in my heart, I don't ever want to be feel that ever again. But how do, so? how do we have the strength to love someone? Well, first... It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you trust in God first. You say, God, I don't have this strength in me to do this. You've got to put your pride down first. You've got to realize that you can't do everything. You can go to a point, but we get tired. We get exhausted. We need rest. And God, his love is overwhelming, overflowing, and just overcoming everything. So we need to trust in God first, and then we need to declare his promises over that situation. So another example, another story I had, and I've said this one before in group, in my life group, which, you know, point group is pretty great if you haven't gone, just saying, we have good food. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But there's something amazing about declaring God's promises over something. i had a time in my life where I would get a little anxious from things at work. I would go to work, and it's not anything I did. In fact, none of it was. I was just doing my job right, but I would get a little anxious, a little nervous about it. I'd be like, "Mm, I don't want this thing to happen again. So I wasn't even at work. I was going to my buddy's nerdy gaming cafe at night. I'm supposed to be going and having fun and just relaxing and playing video games until 3 o'clock in the morning, which I did. But... At the same time, I will remember distinctly the light at my, near my house, I'm sitting there. I just have this nervous feeling in me for some reason. I'm like, there's no reason for this. There's absolutely no reason for this. And I tried multiple times, and this is where I first goofed up. I tried to do it in my own strength. If you try it first in your own strength, you're gonna realize real quick that's not gonna work, and you need to trust some other strength that God has to get over that situation. So I said, I don't get this. Why am I so nervous over this? and so anxious, so I said, I was fed up with it. I said, God, I'm tired of this. I'm sick and tired of feeling like this. And then I just started putting the word, and this wasn't even me. This was the spirit flowing through me because there's no way I can think this quickly, me and my old man brain, just spitting off just scripture after scripture and promise after promise from the Old Testament to new because the Old Testament, the promises in there, we are sons and daughters of Christ. So those promises, like in Joshua, still applied to us because we are in his family. So I started spitting out things like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be terrified for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And just scripture after scripture, and as soon as the light turned green, I was like, it just just lifted right off of me. It was amazing. I was like, there is no way. What in the world? This has not happened. And then I had, and and then I realized it wasn't my power that did it. It was God's strength that was able to get me through this little little insignificant part of my life to move forward. So you trust God and you declare His promises. And then you take and you take that step forward in faith. So you do that when this person hurts you, you don't know how they're going to react when you love them back. They may hurt you again because they're like, what in the world is going on? But at the same time, you continue to love them because then they're going to come to you and be like, look, why are you like this? You should hate me. You should want to just beat me down and throw me in jail. Why do you keep doing this? So you need to keep stepping in faith when you can't see. And this, I have an example of this. When I was a kid, my dad was in the military. He was in the Coast Guard. We moved every hmm, two to four years. I can tell you from one state to the other, we moved over and over and over. I had to get, it wasn't so much a new school because I was homeschooled, but new church, new friends. I didn't know what was going to happen. For all I knew, I was going to be that loner kid that I'd never get friends. But at the same time, every time I moved, I had faith that I would find friends, and it's amazing the faith of a child. I'm telling you what. I was a kid all the way until I moved here when I was 16, when I moved here. But We moved every time, and I knew it's going to be all right. I'm going to get a new church. I'm going to get more friends, and then it's going to be fine. It started, the older I got, the more I realized, oh, this stinks. I don't want to do this anymore. But I had faith that this, everything would be okay. And so we need to continue to step in faith when people hurt us, that even though they may continue to hurt us, we love them anyways, and we will see that change, maybe not initially, like we wanting our, Instant gratification, but it takes time. Slowly, they will see this, and then it'll eventually click in their mind to be like, "Why? Why are you like this?" So, what happens when you love your enemies? You heap coals on your head, their head. Like, what does that mean? You're going to the good part, right? We're going to get some coals and we're going to throw it at them, right? And going to hit them in the head, right? Literally. No, 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 no. It's not. We're not throwing burning embers at people. If you're thinking that, you need to just stop right now and start praying. But we go, to, we go to Proverbs 25, 21 through 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. So that doesn't explain much. You're like, okay, you put heaping burning coals on head. What does that mean? And I mean, I had to do a lot of praying and thinking about that because I was like, I've never thought of this. But one way that I thought, one interpretation of it was they start realizing what they're doing and they start feeling remorse for it. So, you know, when there's a little kid, they're getting into the cookie jar. They're like, Mom's not here. Sweet, let's go get the cookie jar. Getting into it. And they're doing stuff, you know, they're not supposed to be doing. And then they get caught. Yeah, that flushed feeling you got as a kid, you're like bright red. You're like, Oh, no, I'm sorry. And that just embarrassed look, that's them realizing, oh, I messed up. And then they realize that's not right. And that's the spirit moving through them, realizing, hey, I shouldn't have done that. Their spirit's kind of churning things up and thinking, hey, maybe that was wrong. Maybe what you were doing, you shouldn't do that again, because this person keeps loving you for it. We need to figure out why. And second, it might open a door for you to plant a seed of faith in there because people will see that and they'll be like, okay, look, that is just weird. Why are you loving me? This makes no sense. And when they ask you that, opens the door to you being able to share your testimony, share your face with them. And they might not even listen to you. They might say, okay, this dude is just crazy. He's off his meds. I don't know what's wrong with him. But it puts a seed of faith in them so that you might not be watering it. You might be the person to plant it, and then they go off in weeks, months, years later, someone else comes and waters that seed, and it comes back up, and they're like, remember that guy. He, when I did that thing to him, he loved me for some reason, and this is the same thing they're talking about, and it may grow a seed of faith in them to hopefully bring them to realize Christ and the love that he has for them. So, I don't know if that was quick or not because I lost track of time, but I hope y'all got something out of that because this was something that was on my heart since the uh, last point group. We did a point group on love, and then when I did this part of love, there's two sections, I said, man, you're going to be cool as if I stood up in church and said this in front of everybody at church. And then and Michelle came up to me and I was like, hmm, that would be cool. So, I went and hashed it out and It was just something that was sitting on my heart and just this love that I have for people and realizing that this world needs more love that we need to be sharing, that we're not proactive enough in sharing because we come to the church and we, you know, we get what we need at church and then we go and just live our life and we forget it goes one ear out the other and we don't take root in it. And I've throughout the years, I've been a Christian for a long time. I was a Christian when I was saved as a kid at six years old. And it was a slow growth initially. But at this point, like since I went to Auburn Fellowship, it got like someone got the miracle growing and dumped it on there. I don't know what happened. I blame Keith. I don't know what happened, but it was, it was fantastic. And I started growing and moving. And With every growth is a growing pain, and it was, I had to get out of my comfort zone a little bit. And it was, first I had to do a life group. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do this thing. This is a little, I don't like talking in front of people. Last time I talked in front of someone, it was in high school for my chemistry class. And I stuttered, and I stopped talking for 30 seconds really awkwardly, and then sat back down in my chair. So I was like, I don't know if I could do this. but And it was a little, you know, difficult getting used to, but I mean... Now I'm leading the kids, helping direct the kids back there in kids ministry, and I'm still learning and growing in that. Kids are tough, man. But that's the thing. You cannot grow without growing pains. You've got to get out of your comfort zone to grow. And it's the same with loving people. If it's difficult for you to love somebody, whether it's someone who's hurt you or they just don't plain like you, there's people that I work with that, do not like me for whatever reason, and I'm like, I don't don't know how to get to them, but I know one thing, I have softened a lot of people by just going in, even if it's a fake till you make it thing, if you continue to love them unconditionally, no matter what they say or do to you, they're like, okay, maybe this guy or maybe this girl's all right, I'm I'm gonna give them a chance, and it'll soften their heart, and hopefully it'll open them up to, love that Christ has for them.